Good morning. Go ahead and be seated. Good morning, Berean Baptist Church. Hey, good job. Good job. Uh, my name is Pastor Dan. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is uh, good to be with you once again. For all those joining online, thanks for joining. Happy Father's Day, as Pastor Isaiah said, and uh, all the guys kind of chuckling a little bit with our video as you kind of probably identified with some of what was said on there. Um, I couldn't wa I watched that video a few times now, but when the dad was playing catch, it was very hard for me not to cringe. Um, it seems like that that happens all the time. And if, did you notice how hard his son was laughing? It's like every single time. Hey, listen, I, I, some, some of you already know, I, I started going back to school. I'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment, I guess, and I'm working on a doctorate degree. And the first part of working on this degree is kind of learning to become a researcher. You know, you work on your master's degree, and you're still kind of a consumer of the knowledge that's out there. And then when you, when you transition to start working on a doctorate degree, you're expected to be a contributor to the knowledge. So I'm like, man, that's a lot for me to take on. But one of the things they talk about in this kind of research is, is it's important for a student to uh, develop what they call a scholarly identity. And uh, one of the things that competes with this scholarly identity that many people have to deal with is something they call imposter syndrome, called the imposter syndrome. Uh, they, they think it's what, one of the things that leads to the high attrition rate. Something like 50 to 70% of people who begin a doctorate degree drop out. So half or more than half of people who begin a doctorate degree will drop out. And, and, and oftentimes, these are very high-achieving people. And, then they, and again, they attribute it to, at least in part, this thing called the imposter syndrome. The, what, what is the imposter syndrome? It's basically, somebody starts going, and, and they're studying, and they're expected to contribute. And in their heart, in their mind, they're saying, you know, I shouldn't be here. I, I'm really not as smart as people think I am. At some point, I'm going to be found out if I'm not careful. And as I was studying this, it occurred to me, I believe as Christians, we also suffer from the imposter syndrome. I, I believe that we all, all too often, we listen to that little voice. Yeah, but do you remember who you used to be? Oh, you, you say that God has changed you, but you still sin. And we're afraid that people might find us out because in our heart, we think, you know what? I'm an imposter. And if people really knew what was going through my head, if people really knew the battles I was battling with, they would, they, would not, they would reject me as a brother or sister in Christ. Friends, Christians, so many of us suffer with this thing called the imposter syndrome, and I want to deal with that a little bit today as we talk about our gospel identity. You know, our, well, I was talking about our scholarly identity. We, we have a lot of things that contribute to an identity, a, a, an opinion we have formed about ourselves that kind of uh, helps direct and guide us in, in, in our lives and how we're going to uh, react to certain things. And, and again, how we think about ourselves. One of the primary things here that kind of help us early on in our lives and really sometimes all the way through our lives form an identity is our dads, right? We kind of go back into Father's Day, talk about that just a minute. For some of you, you're thinking, you know what? My dad is awesome. You know, I go somewhere and they're like, oh, you're so-and-so's boy or daughter. Your dad was so good. He's good to you. He's good to your mom. He's, he's good to your friends. And, and you're like, I've got this great picture uh, uh, with this dad that I have. And, and I have this identity that's been given to me because my dad is so awesome that, that, you know, this is just great everywhere I go. Like, you know, my kids. <laughs> right, Elijah? You're supposed to say amen, bro. You missed an opportunity. It's Father's Day, you know what I mean? 
But some of us, some of us, it's not like that, right? You know, I was having a, having a conversation with a brother this morning, and it's like, you know, what do you do when your dad hasn't really been that guy? Can, can you imagine, and maybe some of you can, maybe your dad was abusive, and, and you got your identity from him. You have your last name from him. Maybe your dad was awful to your mom. Maybe your dad was a criminal. Maybe your dad was a child molester. What do these people do with that as it informs the identity that they have? Friends, the identity that we have is, in a, lot, a large part, it's environmental. It, 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 helps, it comes from outside of ourselves. But then we start believing some things that we hear in our, in our heart. Again, today I want to talk about who we once were and who we are now as we help form our gospel identity. We're going to do that by looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21. Before we jump in, would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, God, we are reminded that you are the ultimate good Father. God, that you love us so very much that you didn't even spare your own Son so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be reconciled. God, I just pray that as we look at your Word, you remind us this morning who we are and whose we are. God, I pray that it's not just this morning that we're reminded, but your spirit will just call it to our attention day after day that we have a gospel identity, that we are your children, dearly beloved and created for good works. God, I pray against the, the whispers and the accusations of the enemy. That old man, that old woman, woman they are dead and they are gone. And every day, God, that you are drawing us closer to you, creating in us a new spirit, becoming more like you and your son, Jesus. God, as we look at this text today, and as we discuss this gospel identity, may your spirit just draw you closer to, uh, draw us closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so, I'm sorry, but yeah, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God has, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that, we, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, I, I want to talk about this text a little bit. Before we get there, I want to give a little bit of explanation here. This text is about persuasion. You see, uh, John MacArthur says that Paul was seeking to persuade the consciousness, consciences of the Corinthians about the, his integrity in ministry. And he did so by giving six of his motivations for being in ministry or joining in ministry. And uh, I want to give them to you right now. Uh, the first one is this, and it's found in verse 11a, knowing the fear of the Lord. Uh, this is reverence from the Lord. Uh, reverence for the Lord is his first motivation for this text. You know, uh, we ought to, as Christians, be motivated by a healthy fear and respect for God. The second one is this, that he had a concern for the church. We find that in verse 12. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about uh, outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He had an appearance for what was going on, or I'm sorry, he had a he was motivated by concern for what was going on in the church in Corinth when it came to that. The third one was this. He, had a, he, had, he was motivated by a devotion to the truth, and we see that in verse 13. The fourth motivation he had here, the fourth thing he was motivated by was gratitude to the Savior. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Motivated. By, the, by gratitude to the Savior. Fifth was he was, he, had a, he was motivated by a desire for righteousness. Verse 15 through 17. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're going to hear me say this over and over again this morning. Follower of Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Are you living into that truth of your gospel identity? So often we, we accept Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and we're new in our faith. We're, we wrestle with this idea that we are new cre uh, creations in Christ and gives us excitement, and, and, and we're encouraged by it. And then we go along in our life, and we mess up, and we make mistakes, and we stop believing it sometimes. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Yesterday is gone. You are a new creation in Christ. The sixth reason he was motivated uh, um, uh, to, to give this text to the church was the burden for the lost. We see this in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this is a little bit about the background here in 2 Corinthians and why Paul is writing this particular text. But I want to talk to you. I'm going to go to our first point here this morning. And I want to talk to you again. This is a two-point sermon, by the way, so don't get too uh, worried about get, taking so long to get point one, number one. And it's very simple. Who we were and who we are. Who we were and who we are. 
I think, you know, as I look around this room, I know many of you have been Christians, some of you for a number of years. You might this morning need a reminder that you are not that old person any longer, that you indeed are also a new creation in Christ. Some of you stopped believing that about yourselves years ago. And this morning, this morning I implore you to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. It's not because of you. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's not because of anything that you could do. It's everything to do with who he is. We don't hold on to our righteousness. He does. He sees his son Jesus in you if you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in him. Maybe you're in this room or watching online and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe this first part of this sermon is going to describe you as we talk about who we were. Maybe it's still who you are because you haven't for, uh, given your life to Christ yet. Make it today. Make it today that you become a new creation in Jesus Christ our Lord. Our first point again is this. I want to discuss who we were before Jesus came and gave us a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live, now listen to this, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Who were we? Well, we were lovers of ourselves and our own desires and our own wishes, our own fortune. That's who we were outside of Christ. We were sinners separated from a holy God, unable to do good, unable to do good. There was nothing good in us. You know, I think we know that of ourselves, but it's hard when we hear it, you want to defend yourself. But I think we know deep down that outside of Christ, even our motivations were bad and they were selfish and they were evil. It really was all about us. Even when we did something that looked like it was good, there was some self-serving aspect to it. We were lovers of ourselves, sinners separated from God. We were unable to do good on our own. There was no righteous, righteousness in us. There's a, a song out there. Um, I, I think it, they would say it's a country song, but I disagree. And there's this line that says, I believe most people are good in this song. You know, that, that's a kind of a, I think that's a, that's a prevalent thought in our society that you'll, you'll hear these talk shows and everybody, you know, deep down I think everybody is good. Friends, that's false. The Bible says again that there is none righteous. No, not one. None of us. All born into sin. We talked about this last week, right? When we joked about if you don't believe that we're born into sin, go work in the nursery. Remember that? If Phil's not here again today, I should talk about him and see if, we, if he watches two weeks in a row. Anyways. Not everybody is good. We're not born with this innate ability to do good. We're born with this idea that we want to serve ourselves. What makes us comfortable? What's good for us? We are lovers of ourselves. Our old selves. Verse 15, again, it, it, we're self-centered. Verse 16, there's this way of our flesh. But yet we slip back into our own ways. Again, we, we, I want to talk 
we, we, we're, we're taken as followers of Jesus Christ, right? We, we, we know this, that we had this old self and, and there was no good in us. And God has created us as new creation. But sometimes we kind of move back this way towards our old selves again, don't we? We need to let that old man or the old, old woman be put to death and stay that way. And that might mean that we need to do that daily. We need to do it daily. Robert Thune gives us some examples here of what it looks like when we're pretending as Christians, when we're pretending to have this, this kind of false righteousness. Last week we, we used the same uh, guy, Robert Thune, kind of had this list of how we minimize sins, if you remember. This week we're going to talk about how sometimes we, we, we pretend in our walk that we have these false righteousness. Maybe you have a job righteousness. Maybe your idea, maybe your thought is, I'm a hard worker, so God will reward my hard work. There's family righteousness, because I do things right as a parent, I'm more godly than the parents who can't control their kids. Do we do that sometimes? Maybe there's a theological righteousness, that I have good theology, so God therefore prefers me over those who have bad theology. There's intellectual righteousness. I am better read and more articulate and more culturally savvy than others, which makes me superior. Schedule righteousness. I am self-disciplined and rigorous in my time management, which makes me more mature than others. How about flexibility righteousness? In a world that's busy, I'm flexible and I relax. All, I always make time for others and shame those who don't. Mercy righteousness, I care about the poor and disadvantaged the way everyone else should. Why don't they care too? Legalistic righteousness, I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do. Financial righteousness, I manage money wisely and I stay out of debt. I'm not like those materialistic Christians who can't control their spending. Political righteousness, righteousness if you really love God, you will vote for my candidate. Tolerance righteousness. I am open-minded and charitable towards those who don't agree with me. In fact, I'm a lot like Jesus that way. Moral righteousness. I don't engage in sin like those other people do. Those other people who have, who have made mistakes. I'm not like that. You know, I might make some mistakes every once in a while, but at least it wasn't as big as that lady's sin. As I'm reading this list, I'm hoping that something kind of connects. Because all of us struggle in some sort of way. And again, I think we have this thing, this imposter syndrome, syndrome as Christians, because in our heart of hearts, we know that this exists. But we're not who we used to be. And friend, you don't have to be today who you were yesterday. As a matter of fact, I hope you leave church a little different than you came here this morning. Because you are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. The old man, that old woman is dead. Let them stay that way. As you are a new creation in Christ, and this is our second part of our sermon this morning, our new gospel identity. Our new gospel identity. From now on, I'm going to go back to the text. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Have I said that a couple times today? You are a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, in this text you will find your gospel identity. This is who you are. This is whose you are. The old man has passed away. This is no longer my identity, that old person. Again, it says, I am a new creation. Turn to the person next I don't like to do this very often. I'm going to do it anyways. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am a new creation. Okay, i got to tell you that you i got to confess a little bit. I can't stand it when preachers make you do that. I think, Lentrail, you did that a couple weeks ago. And I turned to Kelly and I said, I'm not saying it. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody else just do that? Be honest. Okay, some of <laughs> The old man has passed away. We are new creations. Why do we have to keep rehearsing that? Because we have an enemy that keeps reminding us of what we've done. You can accept, for so many of you, you can accept the fact that God has changed you. And those sins pre-conversion, they don't control you anymore. What you struggle with is the fact that you still are tempted to sin. What you struggle with so often is the sins you've committed since you've become a follower of Jesus Christ. Every day you are a new creation in Christ. The old is dead. The old is gone. Pick up and move on and accept your gospel identity. It's not about you. It's about him. You are a new man. You are a new woman. Why do I find it so hard to put to death those old ways? I want to show you this uh, You'll see it uh, probably a lot as you stay at Berean. We're, this foundation sermon series that we're going through is also part of a class. And, and what we're wanting to do is give you all of the necessary tools to kind of begin the journey in discipleship. And we're wanting to make sure we're all kind of speaking the same language. Um, uh, so that's part of what we're doing today. So this guy, Dehadi Lewis, uh, came up with these, uh, this, this, uh, this thing called a hard hat identity. And in our hard hat identity, you'll see on the screen here, uh, these are the kind of the, what happens here. We have obedience, sacrifice, love, presence, and need. The problem with this is somewhere in this, I think a lot of us as Christians, we kind of have this hard hat identity, and we struggle with it. We start with obedience. When we, when we talk about how we relate to God, we start with obedience, the view of God that he is righteous and holy, therefore I must obey him. I must obey God because who he is. And then we lead from there, we go from there to this thing, sacrifice, giving up things, doing the right thing. As part of being obedient to God, I'm going to work really hard to do the right thing. And that leads to love. When I obey and sacrifice my will, then God will love me. And we earn it. Now as I say these words, you all know they're, they're theologically incorrect. But let's talk about how you feel in your time of prayer right? Are there times where you feel more worthy to be heard than others? And from there, we move to the presence. When we earn God's love, he will be with me. 
and then the need, now we can go to him with our needs. But then there's the gospel identity. And it turns this thing on ahead. It starts with need and presence and love, sacrifice and obedience. Need, we start with a recognition of our need. The realization of who we once were. The realization of the brokenness of our lives. The realization that we were self-serving people and there is a holy and just God. And we have this great need. And that's where we begin. And from there we go to presence. We have assurance that God has come near in Jesus Christ and He is for us. And from that need and then that presence, we get to love. God displayed His love in the giving of Jesus. We could never earn it. It was freely given to us. Which leads to sacrifice. Because of His love for us, we can willingly sacrifice our will to His. And then to obedience. It, is, it isn't drudgery to do His will in our lives. It is life-giving and it's a joy. That's the Gospel identity. That's our gospel identity. That hard hat identity comes from a misunderstanding of who we are as if we could earn the favor of God by something that we would do. If we were just a little bit better, if we were just, uh, you know, if we were just a little bit more like Jesus, then God would love us. And it's rooted in our activity. Again, as if we had some sort of control. But it burns us out. We can't keep it up for long. When we have the hard hat identity, we will burn out because we're living our lives like it depends on us, our relationship with God. Then we have the gospel identity. We understand our need for Jesus every day. Every day. We need to have this understanding of our need for Jesus. Listen, we could all fall back into our old ways, our old patterns of behavior, right? Right? We all could. It's right there. We need this reminder every morning that we need Jesus. And it's rooted not in our work, but it's rooted in His work. It's rooted in His work. And what does it lead to? It leads to freedom, friends. We are free in Jesus Christ. We have freedom in Him. Friends, the bridge that makes the old identity, our old identity, and turns it into a gospel identity is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. My gospel identity drives me to share the one who changed me. After I've had an encounter with the cross, after the old man has been dead and put away and the new man has been created, then I can, I am, I am, it propels me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's this message, it's the message uh, that we have in our gospel identity that produces in us the desire to share our faith. But it starts with recognizing our need. Again, it's nothing that we can do. We can say this every week, but man, we leave and we get into our week, and for some reason we get back into these old habits of I need to earn it. You can't earn it. You'll never earn it. God has done it for you. Whatever it is you have in your past, leave it there. 
whatever it is, whether it's some great work that you did or some miserable failing, leave it in the past. Leave it in the past. One can't make you lose the love of Christ and one can't gain it for you either. You are loved by Jesus Christ because of who he is, not because of who you are or what you've done. This is where we can find some freedom. You know, Father's Day, dads, who loves their kids because of the kids that they are? You love their, your kids because they're your kids. And if you can do that, how much better can God? Let that old man, let that old woman be put to death and put them to death again this morning and live in this new gospel identity as you have been created in the image of God. The old man is dead. And you've been created new to do good works for the Lord. We've got a video that kind of sums up this entire uh, uh, sermon this morning, and then we're going to end with a song. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father God, I confess to the hard hat mentality. God, I know your truth. Yet so often my feelings are driven by my performance. And God, I know that you love me. And that this isn't about me at all, but it's all about you. God, as, as we as a body of Christ, as your children, seek to take life in Christ to the heart of Ohio and beyond, help us to first understand who we are and whose we are. That you love us. We haven't earned it. And we're not going to keep it by our action, but you love us. And we can be rest assured in that truth. God, you paid such a terrible price for the relationship that we are able to have with you. The fact that we are redeemed because of who you are and what you've done, we thank you for that. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And God, we thank you for your transformation of us and the freedom we find in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me introduce you to yourself. You are alone, a solitary figure connected joint and bone to no one but yourself. And this is the life you chose. Let me introduce you to yourself. You are cut off, separated. You ran into your isolation, and now there is no way back into the family from which you came. Let me introduce you to yourself. You are stained. You have sealed your isolated separation with guilt. Let me introduce you to yourself. You are under the shroud of slavery. In trying to own yourself, you became owned. Your master is your sin. You serve nothing but your own isolation and separation. This is your identity. This is who you are. But let me introduce you to who he is. He 
is God's special possession. There is no shroud of darkness on him. Yet he fell under the dark veil of death so that God might specially possess us. Let me introduce you to who he is. He is the holy nation. He is perfect and the fullness of God's kingdom. Yet he left his kingdom of purity to take on our impurity. He tarnished his holiness by becoming sin for us. Let me introduce you to who he is. He is the royal priesthood. There was no distance between himself and God, yet the royal one was struck for our separation. He took the blow for our absence. Let me introduce you to who he is. He is the chosen before the foundations of the earth, he chose to stand alone to bring us to God. That is who he is. That is the identity of Jesus. But there is even more. So let me introduce you to who you are now. You are now the chosen people. No longer alone, you have been brought into a full and eternal family with God himself as your father and the Prince of Peace as your brother. Let me introduce you to who you are now. You are now the royal priesthood. You are the sons and daughters of the king who stand as a beacon of light to a separated world that there there is hope and there is access to the Father. Let me introduce you to who you are now. You are now the holy nation. You have been sprinkled with the blood of God's perfect Son so that now all His goodness, all His righteousness, all His perfection is credited to you. Let me introduce you to who you are now. You are now God's special possession. You have been sealed for salvation. You have been protected with perseverance. He who bought you with his blood will never let you fall away, for he loves you and he owns you. This is who you were. This is who he is. This is who you are now. This is your identity.